are listening to the 90 Days Later podcast with me, Anna Charles. This is episode number 24. Welcome to the 90 Days Later podcast, where I show you how to stop over drinking in 90 days without missing out on life. If you're not an alcoholic, but fed up with saying yes to a drink when you mean to say no, you're in the right place. Hi all, I hope everybody is doing well as we move here into... Well, at least springtime, there is a hint of summer in the air, which probably means for many people, lunches outside, barbecues, drinks with friends. And, you know, that's where we see we get into the temptation of the pims and the crisp white wine. But fear not, I am here to help you navigate your way through this whether that means you just want to be able to go along and drink one glass of wine or one glass of beer, or whether you want to give up entirely. Okay, so let's get started. And today I want to talk about anxiety. Specifically, I want to give you some very uh, real and practical ways of handling anxiety because anxiety is probably the number one emotion that comes up when I speak with people who are who feel they're over drinking you know feel frustrated about the drinking or want to change but they feel very anxious about it or they drink because they have anxiety it's really a very common reason uh, why people drink and perhaps that's so for you if so today will help but first let's have a look at what anxiety is well at its you know, baseline really it's an emotion that's it we can we can feel it in our body right? There may be perhaps a lurch of the stomach, perhaps you have a tightening across the shoulders, perhaps you you clench your fists, whatever it is, there'll be some physical reaction in your body. And the reality is that whether you experience anxiety regularly or not, it is an emotion that we're all going to feel at some point in our lives. Now, anxiety is what we feel when we are worried, when we're tense or afraid, particularly about things that are about to happen or which we think could happen in the future, right? There's this element of conditional, of it being conditional on something happening in the future. Anxiety is a feeling of generalized worry, of fear, of apprehension or nervousness. And what makes it so tricky, I know for a lot of people, and I count myself among these, is that you often can't put a finger on exactly what's making you feel anxious. You can wake up feeling it for no apparent reason. And really that's part of the problem. Because unlike other emotions, it's not a situation you can tackle head on and say, right, roll up my sleeves, I'm going to sort this out, I'm going to get to the bottom of this. Because you don't always know what's causing it. Now anxiety is a very natural human response and it's a response we have when we perceive that we are under threat and it served our ancestors really well, right? A feeling to look out for themselves, kind of a sixth sense which evolved us to fight or flight in times of danger. I mean literally saved our lives. But today, here in the modern world, we don't have to face that level of day-to-day danger on a regular basis. But yet we still have the anxiety response that has evolved and stayed with us that came from those previous danger situations. So put simply, whereas we might have once upon a time been running away from a bear or a tiger 
and would feel anxious about that. Today, we might feel anxiety about receiving uh, an email that we don't want to read. Same response, completely different situation, right? We have anxiety about other modern day stuff like losing your job, going into debt, not being able to lose weight, not being able to stop over drinking. So we get that danger response, right? We get tensed up, we get ready to fight or ready to run, or in some cases, actually, we freeze. I mean, that's another element, fight, fright, or freeze, to things that hardly mean life or death. And we, so we rationalize this, right? We understand that receiving the email or going into debt, however nasty that might be, is not a life or death scenario, such as, you know, being chased by that tiger. So we're not sure how to handle this, right? We think something has gone wrong, and therefore we think we should get rid of the anxiety as soon as possible. Now, what often happens at this point, if you have an issue with drinking, or if you have taught yourself that to drink, right, when you feel anxiety, is that alcohol is the way that we kind of cope with it. We treat it as a coping mechanism. I hear those three words together a lot. Alcohol is a, is a coping mechanism, or maybe it's five words, but, and that we use for anxiety. But the real downer is it's only temporary, right? So we numb out with drink to change how we feel. I mean, we do this for all emotions. If we don't want to feel sad, if we don't want to feel scared, if we don't, whatever it is we don't want to feel, if we drink, it kind of you know numbs that out. It, it, it turns the volume down on the feeling we don't want to feel, including anxiety, in order to give ourselves pleasure in the moment. However, it is only temporary. The anxiety is still there. The anxiety is going to come back. The anxiety is still going to be as bewildering as, as, as it is today, only with a side dish, served with a side dish of an alcohol habit too, however mild that might be, right? But what I want to offer is that anxiety isn't a problem until we make it one with our response. So we have the ultimate control on how we're going to deal with anxiety and to move our way through it as quickly as possible. Yeah, I don't think there's ever going to be a way where we sort of can eliminate anxiety from our lives entirely. In fact, that probably wouldn't be a good thing. It's, it's a, it is a survival instinct. We do want to have it as a way to help us make decisions, but don't feel so constrained by it that, you know, we are drinking to um, get rid of it and we're not finding out what's at the base of it. So for those of you who follow my work or follow the podcast, you'll know I do a lot around managing urges to drink and you're going to see see some themes here in the three ways of approaching and handling anxiety. Now, many people, in fact, probably one of the most common responses to having anxiety is to sort of resist and react, right? This is when you see anxiety as something that's coming at you, as kind of an enemy agent, and you're going to go to battle with it. You're going to go into battle with yourself because you're the one who's generating the feeling of anxiety. There's going to be quite some reaction. Now, 
you might be find it easier actually to think of other people you've seen who've had this reaction right if you ever notice people who are really really anxious it that really does boil down into this fight or flight thing and as i said freeze is a is another reaction where they will just just not do anything right just be absolutely struck dumb it seems but if we resist and react, we kind of refuel it by thrashing out. That might involve things like picking fights, running around frantically trying to get stuff done, right? Anything to keep the anxiety at bay. We start then we start worrying about the fact that we're feeling anxious, right? So not only are we in the emotion of anxiety without adding another layer of emotion of worry into the mix, because we start to judge ourselves to say what an earth is going on here you know why are you feeling so anxious and if anything that just increases the tension and that type of reaction only fuels the feeling right heightens the intensity of the energy and pushes us deeper into the feeling of anxiety i it creates the exact opposite result than the one that we want to the second very common response is to avoid this is when we pretend the anxiety isn't there. It's a little bit like a child, you know, when a child's playing hide and seek when they're very young, they might hold their hands in front of their face, right? They can't see you, so that means you are not there, even though you haven't moved at all. And how we handle this when we when we avoid is that we distract ourselves. So there's a lot of distraction going on. We might spend hours clicking around on the internet, through drink, right? We distract ourselves with drink, we might distract ourselves with food, anything really to get the anxiety, just to, to sort of to shove it to one side and to pretend it isn't there. But the relief is only temporary. It doesn't go away forever, it inevitably comes back. So let's say that you're somebody who to avoid feeling anxious will drink, right? So you'll numb yourself out, you'll give yourself that temporary concentrated pleasure of alcohol so that you can kind of shove the anxiety to one side. Now, that's well and good maybe in the moment, but you're now gonna have a drinking habit to contend with. And that drinking habit is gonna make you, you're gonna feel anxious about having created that drinking habit. And that is then gonna make you want to drink more because the thing that stops you feeling so anxious you've taught yourself is to drink. You see how it goes? So you sort of get caught in this spiral if you feel anxious, so you drink, but by drinking, you're then perpetuating the anxiety. And this just gives the anxiety power. It becomes a bigger sense of power over time where you will feel out of control and perhaps try other distraction techniques to remove this sense of anxiety, this sense of danger. And it really becomes this very nasty spiral that you can fall into. Now, the third approach and the one that does work and again this is much like my work in managing urges to drink is to observe the anxiety and accept it's there just just learn to accept it as part of the human experience it really helps actually if you can try and sort of step outside of yourself you know pretend you're a scientist you're inspecting yourself and looking at what's going on this really gives you a moment of perspective and when you accept something about yourself, you just accept it's happening. Oh yeah, I'm feeling anxious because of, you know, fill in the blanks, whatever is happening. That's when you then have the power to change it, right? Because you're not reacting to it and going all in on a fight and then increasing the tension and you're not avoiding it and pretending it isn't there. 
Instead, by accepting it, you're going to be giving yourself agency and authority over yourself. Now, I caution here, it doesn't mean that the anxiety will go away, but you will get back your sense of control. And this will give you the time to realize that anxiety is maybe giving you a signal that there's there's something not right. Again, this is where it can be useful. There can be some use to it. Pausing and observing gives you that control, lets you check it out. Perhaps that's the case. Perhaps it isn't, right? It can just be that it's just this generalized feeling that just appears sometimes out of nowhere. And by taking this approach, by observing and accepting, and by taking a look to see, you know, what is causing the anxiety, that means you're not going to be responding by reaching for the the bottle of wine, right? You're going to be tackling what's going on and you won't be then perpetuating your anxiety with the worry that, you know, oh my goodness, I know I'm drinking and, you know, then feeling anxious about that. So that's all well and good with regard to, you know, how you handle it. But then when you are in that observe and accept, you know, what are the ways that there are different, what are the different techniques you can use to then work your way through the anxiety? Because just observing and accepting it doesn't mean it's necessarily quote unquote easy, right? It will still feel uncomfortable, but there are ways that you can work your way through it. And I'm going to give six here. You don't need to do them all every time, of course. I, I would recommend that you do try them out. Uh, Some people prefer one method or the other, and you'll only really know that by trying and really applying in your situation. Okay, so the first one is very simple. You just name it and you describe it, right? So you name the anxiety and you describe it. So you recognize you feel anxious. You name it. It can be as simple as saying or writing down, I'm feeling anxious. Then describe it. How does it feel physically on your body? Now, for me, it's tension in my shoulders always in my shoulders in fact very specifically my left shoulder blade and I know for me that's a signal if I'm feeling tense there then there's something going on and it gives me a chance to really stop and take a look at what's happening and you will get a lot of power and a lot of you know, you'll feel responsible and and decisive by being able to name that you have the anxiety looking and describing it because anxiety thrives on increasing tension and if you are calm and you are measured and you are almost scientific about this you're not going to let that tension grow it's a little bit like not showing fear in front of a dog right you're meant to be really calm i do struggle with this i have to admit in front of a, a growling dog but you're meant to just sort of stand there and very calm and that's what we're doing with anxiety where we're facing it head on but we're separating ourselves from the feeling. We're putting it at arm's length. So we're not letting ourselves get pulled into it. We just name it and describe it. The second technique that can go hand in hand with the first actually, would be just to remind yourself that nothing has gone wrong, right? As I said earlier, anxiety is just part of the human experience. It came as part of the evolution. So it's part of the package that we get when we're born. It may not be as useful as it once was, but it's still here and it's still a part of us. And there's there's no point sort of trying to refute that or fight against it. It just is. So if I know this and if I understand this, then it doesn't have to take over my life. I can acknowledge it's there and it's just an emotion and it doesn't mean anything has gone wrong. Right. 
third way of handling this as you observe and accept it is to and this this is a a really cute one this is this is very very good is to see how your thoughts create the anxiety now let me show you a good example of this you might have a nasty looking brown envelope appear in the post in fact even that is judgmental right so let's back it out you have a brown envelope appear in the post and you might start to imagine all sorts of things as to what it contains now the envelope itself isn't causing the anxiety it's just an envelope that happens to be brown it's your thoughts about the envelope that cause it now perhaps you have an association perhaps as a child brown envelopes were something that your father would you know throw into the drawer because it always meant they were overdue bills you know you can worry about what it contains and then you're going to spin out on all sorts of possibilities as to who's chasing you for money who's chasing you for this who's chasing for that it's bad news i mean very much i used to have this brown envelope equals bad news um relationship between the two but you know again the relation envelope's just there it's completely neutral in fact somebody else could have a totally different reaction somebody else could look at it and get an excited sensation perhaps if they used to receive brown envelopes from a very good friend right it would be nice letters inside it you see how that goes so i use the brown envelope for a concrete example but it's the same for anything if you are how you're thinking about something creates your emotions and your reactions to that thing and that is the same is true for anxiety it's really important because it's something that you can change if you change back to the brown envelope if you change your associations brown envelope equals bad news then you're going to feel not so anxious when a brown envelope appears on your doormat fourth idea super simple do a thought download right so a thought download is when you take just grab a piece of paper or you can do it on your phone or your laptop and basically write down all the thoughts that you have just put them down on paper right and this is a little bit like i think you know tipping your handbag up and shaking it on the bed or or to see you know just to get everything out you get all the lipsticks and all the pens and the papers and all the things that you didn't know was there and you sort of you just have a good old sort through so just sit and write down your thoughts just all of them doing this you often realize that of course you're feeling anxious right if you look at what you've written of course you'd feel anxious looking at that anybody would feel anxious if they were thinking these thoughts and then i take my clients through a process where we realize that these thoughts are not facts right they are just things we're thinking they might be things we're thinking on repeat they might be beliefs that we have because we've thought them so often but really they're just stories and they're stories we're choosing to think about a situation like the brown envelope for instance it's just something we are choosing to think now we'll caution when you do this don't then sort of go at yourself and get very cross about all the stuff you're thinking <laughs> some people do this they use this against themselves they say oh, of course i feel anxious thinking this why on earth are you thinking this no you know what we're doing this we're doing this from a very neutral loving stance just to understand what's going on so that if we understand that that's what we're thinking then of course we're going to feel anxious and if we are changing our thoughts that is another way of managing or removing the anxiety the next one fifth point is to play with the anxiety and this can feel counterintuitive but it's really a case of instead of running from it to run to it 
right? Allow things to go to the worst case scenario. So let's say, you know, you're anxious that you'll never be able to stop drinking. Right? Well, go to that place. Go to that place where every day you, you drink, you know, the amount that you are now, right? Or maybe try to make the anxiety even bigger that you're drinking more than you are now. And it'll really bring it on. And the reason I say this is that you will see if you do this, if you really get into, you know, creating that worst case scenario, you will feel the anxiety rise in you even more. This is very effective for seeing that. But because you can increase it, that means that you have the equal and opposite control to decrease it, right? Because if you're in control, it's like a thermostat. You can turn the heating up or you can turn it down, right? We often don't think that. We often just think that it's just going to get worse and worse, but we are in control of this. So play around with it. Take yourself to the worst case. Take yourself to the best case, right? See what happens. Step six is to plan your response to anxiety. Now, so much of my work around overdrinking comes down to planning because we have the prefrontal cortex and that is, you know, our human brain. That's the piece of the brain that wants the best for us. And, you know, by employing that and using that tool effectively, we can revolutionize our lives. And so with anxiety, I like to do planning too. I mean, forewarned is forearmed. I said earlier, anxiety is going to come up and it will. It will come up throughout your life. So therefore, I recommend you have a plan for it. Now, this works in particular instances where you see repeat patterns. So let's say you're getting, you get frustrated by screaming children, let's say, and that's why you're so delighted as much as you love your children when they're in bed at the end of the day because you can then have a glass of wine. Right, I would like you to take yourself to the situation where the children are screaming and visualize it, right? So visualize a child screaming and how you want to handle that. How do you want to handle that? So don't just put, let yourself sort of wait until you're in a situation where the child is screaming and you feel your anxiety going up. Plan ahead. How do you want to handle that? How do you want to handle the inevitable emotion that is going to come up without overreacting to it, right? So think ahead of this. Do you have anxiety triggers? Is there a particular circumstance or a person or something that someone says that is going to trigger thoughts in you that cause anxiety? Now, while it's never the external circumstances that are going to be causing the anxiety, it's always going to be your thoughts about it, back to the brown envelope um, example. By preparing your responses and thinking ahead to those situations, you are arming yourself to be effective in your response rather than saying, oh my gosh, here it comes again. This feels so bad. Where's that wine? Right? This is this is really a great way uh, to resolve what's happening with anxiety. So there we go. That's the end of this week's podcast. Anxiety is just a part of the human experience. It's part of our programming. There's no need to fear it, feel ashamed of it. Uh, or run away from it or try to drink over it because how we respond is key right if you resist or avoid then you're going to be renouncing control over it and that's going to make you feel like you're in a in a boat that's going nowhere sort of just floating and bobbing in the sea but you do have control right so recap here is a recap of some strategies if you feel anxious name it and understand how it feels in your body Secondly, remind yourself that nothing has gone wrong. You can remind yourself that it's your thoughts that are creating the anxiety. 
do a thought download, be curious, play around with it, right? Run towards it, go to the worst case scenario, see how that feels. And finally, six, plan your response. How are you going to react or how are you going to respond when that feeling comes upon you? Now, as I said, you don't need to do all six of these, but certainly play around and uh, just see which works for you. Okay, that's it for this week. That was good. I enjoyed that. Please share this podcast with a loved one if you think it would also help them. In the meantime, if you want to reach out and uh, talk with me about your over drinking and how to deal with the anxiety specifically around that you can contact me on anna at 90dayslater.co otherwise i'll see you next week if you like what you're learning in the podcast and you want to take the work further and achieve total freedom around alcohol let's talk i help my clients stop reaching for that first glass of wine the moment 6 p.m rolls around and they don't miss out on life and we do it in 90 days. The effect is permanent. Email me for more information on anna at 90dayslater.co. And if you did enjoy the show, I'd really appreciate if you'd leave a rating and review to help others find the 90 Days Later podcast.